0: That's right, at Facebook.com slash The Dinner Party Show. No, I meant in the car.
1: Hi, I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and I'd like to take a moment to congratulate my co-host and producing partner, Christopher Rice. He's got not one, but four new books coming out in 2022.
0: Hi, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you're listening to TDPS Presents Christopher and Eric. We did it so good this time. It was much less unprofessional
1: it was, than well, usual. Last
0: week was a terrible Just opening. Just fell apart. Just fell apart, all we of it. Were
1: all, uh, we were all aflutter from the romance of Heartstopper. We were. On Netflix, which everybody should see. It's a fabulous show, and you should listen to last week's episode to find out why.
0: I thought you had more to say. I was mid-sip of tea. Sorry. I really I mean, love that show. Yeah, you love that show. Let's just be clear. We're not actually, they're not our sponsors because we don't have, we sponsor ourselves but if, right now. But
1: we could use one. So yeah. if they'd like to sponsor us, we're right here, Netflix. Yeah. Come come on. Bring those sweet,
0: sweet, 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 sweet Netflix, Netflix dollars. Which are way. apparently mean a lot less since their stock took it, ate it in the market. But that's a, that's a fodder for another show. That's Inside Baseball. Yeah, they
1: have so much money. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard.
0: And Yeah, I know. No, it's...
1: 220 million people pay them $15 a month. Do you have any idea how much money that is? I
0: think that's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. Almost enough for your shoe budget, Eric Shaw Quinn. Mm, let's not get crazy. Let's not get crazy. All right. Look, let's focus. We, this is one of those episodes where we need to focus. Do we? We need to focus. Have you seen this show? Yeah. I, well, no, because it's a podcast, so I've listened to it, but mostly to you know keep track of how funny I was. But did you focus? (laughs) I was focused on whether or not I was funny in that episode or not. I actually stopped listening. In the beginning, I listened to us a lot, and then it made me too self-conscious, so I stopped listening. And
1: just... Freaked out about it. Just I just in about general it.
0: just assumed I was doing a passable job at all times. That's that's really the way to survive in entertainment. No, I've known you a long time. That was <laughs> never what happened. <laughs> that's never so it. You just stopped listening and worried. You I did. You I'm entirely constantly to
1: worrying about whether or not you're doing a good job, but you didn't listen. I didn't listen. That would only confirm your worst fears that we're. <laughs> Just a bunch of chuckleheads that come in here and run our mouths and giggle (laughs) at the same things, laugh at our own material.
0: And we also talk about true crime. And True Crime TV Club is back this week um, with an Eric suggestion. This was the show Eric picked out. And so, if you have any feelings about it, please direct them to Eric at the end of the episode. No, I'm just kidding. This was something we wanted to have wanted to do for a while because it was a new series. I think it's new. I was new to us. We had not seen it before. It
1: showed up on Peacock. I think there's only one season. It's like 72 episodes, but I think it's just the one season, right?
0: Yes. Uh, So far available. So Cruise Ship Killers is the name of the show we're going to be talking about. The episode title is James. Okay? That's the whole episode title. But
1: all of the episodes are titled the name of the person that it's about. So, the victim. The victim a of the...
0: Presumed victim in this instance. We'll, we'll get there in a bit. but um, Well,
1: I think that's probably... I didn't listen to a lot of the d- other episodes, but it's a ship, so I figure it's probably frequently the case
0: yes i and and we will get into uh, you know what i think the the larger agenda is here um but this is season one episode 25 it's available to stream on peacock currently the second or third worst streaming platform available to consumers in the marketplace it takes me forever to load peacock do you have that experience when you go to log in and peacock
1: and hbo max are take the longest to load up yeah Hulu's the worst. Who Hulu's the most undependable. Yeah. It just crashes whenever yeah. it wants to. That's just yeah, they need to fix their app. I'm, I'm so, and I've tried reaching out to them and they're just dicks about it. So yeah. I just, you know, like whatever.
0: Hulu. Are they the you did it wrong school of customer service? Or the, you
1: need to like erase your account, delete your account and resubscribe so that you can try doing, you know, like oh my the, God. the complete scorched earth thing, delete yeah. everything and start over, which I've done and it didn't right. help. There's still Suck. Um, yeah, they need to fix their app. Yeah, um, totally. is the is the problem. They also need to put the thing about Harry on fucking. I horror. had heard you had
0: feelings about that. I swear to the God, best part is you change crazy. the name of the, sh- uh, the the movie every time we talk. Every time about it. I talk, about I think it. it's
1: the trouble with Harry. I th- I think it's the, yeah, I think you're right.
0: But see, if they would put it on there, you would know the name of it because you would always see it in your library. Let's see. What is the name of it? I should know this. I should be better with the, the thing about Harry. Oh, it's the thing about Harry. The trouble with Harry is that old Hitchcock movie, I think. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. Old guys figure out the names of things. So it's the thing about Harry, which is what
1: I think I said.
0: It's not what you said last week. Or Did maybe it, it is. Maybe it is.
1: Well, it's still the thing about Harry is the one that I think that needs to be on there. It's, the point
0: uh, remains the same. Jake Pirelli and Nico yes. Tarro. Nico Tarot It's a do- an adorable little rom-com about two guys falling in
1: love. Really simplistic. Peter Page, yeah. I think directed it. Maybe he's in it and maybe yeah. even wrote it. I I don't know, but was involved in some way. They couldn't get him to leave
0: so they were like, okay, Peter. <laughs> All right, Go Peter. ahead. You can um, be part of it. We're not talking about fun, though, today. We're not talking about romance no. today. We're not even talking about gay people today except for us because we're the gays in the room currently.
1: But We were talking about streaming apps, and one of them is Peacock, and on Peacock is a new show, we think, or it's new to us, called Cruise Ship Killers. And
0: I think what Eric Shaw Quinn did when he first noticed this show was he contacted me and said, allegedly, or apparently, I think is probably how he phrased it, there are enough murders or terrible accidents, fatal accidents, on cruise ships for them to have made a whole
1: show of it. <laughs> And this show even pointed out yet another thing that's happened as a result that was even more horrifying.
0: Uh, We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Okay, so uh, the episode title is named James. And right away, we are introduced to 22-year-old Jim Scabone, uh, who—that's apparently how his name is spelled. I looked it up, but it kept sounding like the narrator was saying Scabo. So maybe I am mispronouncing what sounds like an Italian-American name. My apologies to the Italian-American community. And
1: just— so,
0: you know, Jim is short for James. James, allegedly. We assume.
1: Allegedly. But we don't know.
0: Allegedly. Um, he has just graduated college, and so he is going on a party cruise from Miami to Puerto Rico with his friend Jeff Simeon, I think was how they said his name, and Jeff's massive family, like 11 of Jeff's relatives. To
1: celebrate his, Jeff's parents' anniversary.
0: Right. It's a dual celebration.
1: Which I was like, okay, this is really... The setup was really unusual to me. I was like, okay, so a young man uh-huh. is graduating from college, and what he wants to do for, to celebrate his graduation is go with a guy friend on a cruise ship to celebrate his parents, the friend's parents' anniversary. And I was like, are they a couple? N- n-
0: no, here's what I think. And this is a revolutionary concept, and I think for us it's, like, really weird. Some people's um, families get along And I think all of Jeff's family got along, and I think they're actually fun to hang out with. That can't be it. Well, what's later revealed is that he had wanted to go on the cruise, but he couldn't afford to. So as a graduation present, his parents bought him a ticket to go. I don't know if it was his idea of a graduation celebration. I think it was just their idea of a gift that they could give him at the time. We'll let you go on this cruise that you can't, you don't have your own money to go. I thought he proposed that. Yeah, uh, oh, maybe. Okay. It's a, it's a really dense mystery, so we better get right into really, it. I'm telling you, yep. there's a lot to lot to unpack here. Uh, Jim is from Meridian, Connecticut, which is a small city between New Haven and Hartford. And that's pretty much it. And- <laughs> <laughs> right? That's Connecticut. That covers it. Yeah. Um, Uh, He has just graduated from Western Connecticut State University with a degree in economics. The year is 1999. His plans are to head to grad school at NYU in the fall, and he wants to be a city planner. The only member of the family, I believe, who is interviewed is his mother, Jean. And I think this was the era of the COVID-filmed true crime documentary, and you can spot these because the interview was clearly filmed without a crew. It's high-quality film, but it's a little lower, which suggests that they had to give the interview subject instructions on where to put their computer or their tablet. I've seen a lot of these. There are, some of them you know because the audio is I, really I'm bad. I'm sorry
1: that everyone at home is missing the hand gestures that go with this.
0: <laughs> I like hand gesturing. It's like he's trying to convince me of this. Like I, there's, there's stakes involved in whether I, or not... I. I Listen, you disagree with me about a lot of different things, so I have to be ready with hand gestures. The hands are still going. I'm it's charming. Big. You. It's big I'm charming. Here. You. There's also it's a big l- here. There's, lot there's of even, caffeine there's happening. There's even
1: finger gestures finger. that accompany the hand gestures. It's like he's playing an instrument. Yeah, like he's going to hypnotize me or something. I don't know.
0: Okay. So um, we've had your little aside. You've done your little bit. Let's get back into the story. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, Jim is traveling with a group of lifelong friends, as we said, one of whom is his pal, Jeff Simeon. Jeff's mom married his stepfather the year before, and they're celebrating their anniversary. Um, again, we get to the discrepancy about whose idea of a graduation gift this really was, but we'll, we'll get there in a second. There are two talking heads interviewed who were not in charge of the case, which is common on these specials. Damien Turner is a retired detective. J.H. Moncrief is a crime writer, and they speak entirely in generalities and knee-jerk assumptions about the story as we go along, which is how many of these are often put together. Uh, Jim is an athlete. I'm sorry. Did you have something you wanted to add?
1: Which one was Damien? Was he the one who looked like he might not make it through the episode?
0: <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. That wasn't my impression. But like he
1: wanted to go to the bar. Like, like No, like he was an older gentleman who just might no, not be able no. to. Okay.
0: That's we're going to get to him. We're okay. going to get to him. Um, <laughs> so Jim is an athlete who loves sports. Uh, He got a job as an assistant tennis pro at a country club. Uh, The last thing he told his mother before he left on this cruise was to wash his whites uh, that he had to wear to work. So this is going to be an important detail later because it goes to Jim's state of mind before he left on this vacations. Vacation, excuse me. The travelers are thus. I don't know why I wrote it in my notes that way. They did not say that on the special. They did not say The travelers are thus.
1: (laughs) They went for a fortnight on the ship, and the (laughs) travelers
0: were thus. The wizard Jim and the sorcerer Jeff. Uh, Jim, his best friend Jeff, Jeff's college roommate, and then Jeff's family, Jeff's sister, and her boyfriend Jesse— Uh, They all board the ship in Miami. And I guess this is like a weekend cruise. So it's not stopping at a bunch of islands. It's going straight to Puerto Rico from Miami and back, I guess. Right? Was that the impression you got? I was really –
1: that actually confused me because then suddenly – I would think that would be a Caribbean kind of cruise, right? It's but then a, they were all about the Atlantic Ocean. And I was like, why did they go into the Atlantic o- Anyway.
0: They didn't. The people are stupid. They were in the Caribbean the whole time. Well,
1: that's kind of how I felt yeah. about it. But they started talking about the second largest ocean in the world. And I was like... Well, that's the Atlantic Ocean, right? Like, what are you talking uh, here's, about? Okay, no, I don't, why would they go from Miami out into the Atlantic and then back over to Puerto Rico? I, I just don't think that's weird. Want to be this guy, but, maybe but I'm technically
0: wrong. the Caribbean is a sea in an ocean. I think maybe that's how it works. Like the Atlantic Ocean contains. the I don't Caribbean actually sea. know how it works.
1: It's they're there, all the water is connected. When you get right down to it, the Amazon is part of the Atlantic Ocean. You this know, but getting like way
0: existential. I don't know. It's
1: like it's like the thing <laughs> about full moon. Does full moon happen before midnight or after midnight? Like which day does full moon happen on? Because. Yeah. It's two days,
0: really, when you think about it. My dad and I almost came to blows once when I was a child over whether or not the Bermuda Triangle was described as the area in the middle of the triangle or the perimeter of the triangle. And my mother told him to shut the fuck up and stop arguing with me about stupid crap. (laughs) Were you perimeter or interior? I was perimeter. Of course you were. I was like perimeter, that's the Bermuda Triangle. If it's not shaped like a fucking triangle, it's not a triangle. (laughs) yes and then i'll say welcome back to triangle talk <laughs> eric Yes, Christopher? Are you sick of doing promos for my new books yet?
1: That depends.
0: Are we at the beach? Yes, we're at Sapphire Cove, the fictional Southern California resort featured in my new gay romance series coming in 2022. This is alarming. When did we go outside? You were transported by the powerful prose of C. Travis Rice. That's my new pen name devoted to steamy and emotional tales of romance between men.
1: Yeah, no, that's not it. I was about to eat a sandwich in the studio and... Now I'm being harassed by seagulls.
0: Brandon, get rid of the seagulls, please. Oh, that's much better. Now I have to pee. First, pre-order your copy of Sapphire Sunset, the first installment in the Sapphire Cove series, which goes on sale March 1st, 2022, from Blue Box Press. When a new member of the resort security department falls hard for the nephew of the wealthy family that owns the place, sparks fly, and sexy scandal ensues at Sapphire Cove. Uh, Yeah, could you pre-order that for me? I'm going to run to
1: the little podcaster's room. Brandon, come get this seagull!
0: I can't help it if my writing sets the scene.
1: I know what I'm going to set if someone doesn't come get this seagull. Where'd you get that sandwich?
0: Sapphire Sunset, the first book in the Sapphire Cove series from C. Travis Rice. Now available for pre-order. Eric. Yes, Christopher? Have you been to my website lately? Why would I go to your website? You're sitting right here. Well, it's the place to find out all about my new books. ChristopherRiceBooks.com. This ad did not go as planned. This was an ad. Welcome back to Triangle Talk, uh, where it. we talk
1: all things triangles. Right, I will play my triangle solo a little later <laughs> on in the show, so stay tuned. While I, uh, uh, yeah, while I polish my tuning fork.
0: Okay, so back to this story here. The ship that they're on, the cruise ship, which they don't name, which I guess is a liability issue. I found out. Oh which one god, it was. Oh my god! Not only
1: did they not name it, but they literally the ship that they did show they blurred out all identifying. Yes. Features, which was weird. It was like the thing they do on Google when you're
0: Yeah. You know, when it's like, like change so important. The ship is huge. It's twelve levels. It's a hundred thousand tons and it's three thousand passengers. And this
1: is nineteen ninety nine?
0: Yes. Since okay. 1999. you ask that with portentousness in your voice. Do you think there's a, a historical cruise trend that's going to play a role in this case? Well,
1: I just like that's actually like I wonder how what kind of similarity that would have to a modern cruise ship. I don't consider that's a long time ago. Yeah. Like what are cruise ships like now? They 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 talked about it like it was this, you know, modern behemoth, but at this point in time, it's probably a pretty dated old wreck.
0: It is. They're bigger now, but I went on them then and they were huge. They were I went on a Royal Caribbean cruise around 90s, these are the, yeah, maybe. five. Twelve levels and a hundred thousand
1: yeah. tons sounds really enormous. So, yeah, you could like, get lost on it. No like, kidding.
0: I went on this cruise and I never felt the boat sway. Like the boat was it was like you could forget you were at sea if you were in the middle of the boat. But anyway, okay. Um at, at they uh the group went to dinner Uh, I think this is the first night of the cruise, around 8 p.m. Jeff's roommate's mother later told Jeff's mother that she had a very positive impression of him. She thought he was a wonderful young man. Uh, He's also a very good-looking man. They show many pictures of him. Um, After dinner at around 10 p.m., the group splits up, and the younger folk go to the dance floor on the upper deck, and the older people, it sounds like, went to bed. They went to the casino. They went to the
1: casino. They they went to (laughs) the
0: casino. (laughs) <laughs> right, exactly. They did
1: not go to bed. They
0: went to gamble. Yes. Um, at one point, Jeff, who is gone with the dancers, <laughs> goes to the bathroom, and it takes him a while to get back, and he tells friends that he got lost. So the next night, the group splits up kind of in the same way. The young folks go to the dance club. Jeff is with them. He tells them he's going to go to the bathroom at around 12.30 no, a.m. I
1: think it's later that same night. I don't think there are two nights. I think there
0: are two nights. I don't. We're, I we're going to agree to disagree. We're going to agree to disagree. But I think
1: it was just he went to the bathroom again later that same night and he never came
0: back. Okay. Maybe. Maybe. I, I, it, it doesn't have a huge impact. It doesn't on really the matter. The point is that there were, t- there is one trip to the bathroom that he returns from. But after an extended departure. Of being, and during which he says he got lost. This trip to the bathroom, no one ever sees him again. Period. Jeff, his friend, gets back to the cabin they're sharing at 3 a.m. There's no Jim, but he isn't worried because maybe he met someone. Maybe he's still out partying. But then the sun rises. Other people in the party start to wake up. Where's Jim? There's no sign of Jim. They have him paged on the ship. There's no response, and that's when everyone gets really worried. They're like, it's now well into the next day. Hours have gone by. His, his name is echoing out all over the ship. No response. Um, cruise ships apparently don't have their own police force aboard. The crew is trained in very specific security procedures, but it didn't sound to me like was there a defined security Department, or were there just security procedures that certain crew members are supposed to enact when there's an incident?
1: Right. It, was, it seemed to lead into what ultimately became the theme of the show. The
0: theme of the special, right. And what I suspect is possibly the theme of this entire series on Peacock. Um, they go door to door. That's really what they do. They literally just knock on everybody's door. They have a picture of Jim, and they say, have you seen this man? Uh, they also post his picture all over the ship. This is when we were introduced to the um, older gentleman that you uh, questioned his ability to live through the episode. And
1: you could see how I might feel yeah. that way. It was seemed touch and go. Like he made – this may be the last time anybody saw it, Ken. He seemed
0: very tired and like he did not want to be on this special. And
1: he was – yeah, had difficulty like breathing and yeah. expressing
0: himself and whatever. But
1: he was – it was Ken Carver.
0: Ken right? Carver. He's the president of the International Cruise Victims Association – or he's the chairman, excuse me, of the International Cruise Victims Association. Um, and he starts to issue some pretty scathing indictments of how these issues are handled aboard a cruise ship. He says this is a terrible setup uh, when you take into account that there's no independent body investigating possible crimes between crew and passengers. OK.
1: And he the way he said it, he was alluding to the fact that there are lots of crimes uh perpetrated against passengers on cruise ships, and he feels like they are mostly perpetrated by the people who work on the cruise ships. Exactly.
0: That was kind
1: of his tone.
0: After a day of searching, Jeff realizes he's gotta call Jim's parents and tell them what's going on. Uh, The next morning, Jim's devastated mother, Jean, who is being interviewed, calls the FBI office in New Haven, Connecticut. They call the Coast Guard—this was the part of the story I didn't believe. I mean, Jean may believe it went down this way, but she says they call the Coast Guard who are then going to search the waters where the ship traveled. It's like, did anybody really—that's a lot of water. Did they actually search the entire path the cruise ship took from that night to where it was now? But allegedly they did, but I think the more—
1: Well, if it was if they spent more than a million dollars on the search, I would think— Is that they- what
0: they said? Yeah. Yeah.
1: That was when they were making the case. Well, we'll talk about that when
0: we get get to that. Uh, They call the San Juan office of the FBI to get their agents on board when the ship docks there. And again, we get into an analysis of how these incidents work on cruise ships. The ship doesn't have to allow the agents on board. They have to grant permission to the FBI to come on board their ship. They're not obligated to let them on board by law. And so Ken Carver says if you are a victim— on a cruise ship who requires the services of the FBI, you should contact them directly instead of going to the cruise's security department. So that's like saying my, my wife has gone missing, my spouse has gone missing on a cruise ship. I should pick up the phone and call the FBI before I tell anyone on board. It's like that's how mistrustful this guy is of how these ships handle these incidences. Yeah,
1: it is really and and that seems worth it. And part of the issue is that Cruise ships are not necessarily owned by the country that they're sailing yeah. from. They're sailing through international waters. There were a lot of different jurisdictions taking place and because it's largely unregulated, those kinds of this kind of weird anomaly, you could see how it would crop up. It's right. like, oh, that's really bizarre that the FBI would not be able to just say, yeah, no, we're coming in and having a yeah. look.
0: We got a warrant, right? the FBI has to get warrants, right? We're just the FBI. Yeah. We're coming aboard to have a look. We're like, bringing 10 of our friends in we're, windbreakers. We're coming yeah. in.
1: We're going to be visiting your ship today. Like Maybe they can't like break open stuff, but they that they couldn't even come on
0: board. Without permission. Yeah, that's yeah. wild. But they do come on board. They do The cruise ship does grant permission. They immediately focus in on Jim's friend, Jeff, which seems... Pretty odd. It seems like the show was making more out of this one investigative or one interview than was probably the case. They, but they questioned Jeff for hours, as they should, because he should have been with Jim and was sharing a cabin with him. Um, he says, I, 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 I'm I, accounted for the entire night I was dancing with these girls all night long. I can show you who they are. The girls verify his alibi. They say, yeah, we were with Jeff all night long. He didn't leave. All this sort of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Investigators discover vomit on one of the decks outside. Which I have
1: to say, that particular detail made Uh, me laugh out loud. I was was like, this is the one puddle of vomit (laughs) on... A cruise ship with 3,000 guests. Right. Everybody's drunk and all the drinks are, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was just like, yeah. that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever, but they did, apparently. So, Pretty ridiculous. Yeah. I don't know how they could possibly have connected it to, to Jim. It was two days later, like, nobody cleaned up the vomit on the, like, I just, it was the detail from
0: the, the show that made me laugh out loud. And this is where maybe our bathroom discrepancy. I they said they refer to repeated trips to the bathroom. and I wrote in our notes like, Wait, when did he make repeated trips to the bathroom? But even if the trips they were talking about were both on the same night, that's two trips. Like, my God, is that repeated? like because you and I are gonna be making repeated trips to the bathroom. And I'll today. tell you
1: I will just say this about that. This is the most salient fact about the entire show, really to me, okay. Do you want we'll get, to get into that We'll get, now? To, we'll we'll get okay. to there when There's we get not, to there. But, like, yeah. that to me was the biggest clue. That's why I feel so strongly about it. It was the same night.
0: Okay. So um, the vomit and the bathroom trips raise the specter of was he sick or had he been drugged? And they go into an analysis, which doesn't sound very scientific, that unless – that men aren't usually drugged in bars, which is like maybe you should visit a gay bar um, – and unless they're waving money around, which Jim was not doing, apparently. Well, nobody was because you don't use money on a cruise ship. Which becomes key later. Uh, after a day of investigation... Oh, no, I'm sorry. There were additional eyewitness sightings of Jim throughout the night. In both of them, he is alleged to be very drunk. In one, he's eating something. And in another, he's randomly knocking on cabin doors, which I think is the salient detail. Uh, after a day of investigation by the FBI, they call his mom and they say... There's really nothing we can do. They say, we've got nothing. And by this time, the ship has traveled so far. The ship is not stopping for any of this, by the way. That's the other thing, right? Yeah. There are 3,000 paying customers on the ship. They're not going to stop because your, your loved one is missing. And so the likelihood of finding him if he fell off the ship is all but impossible. But they're starting to think that's really probably what happened. Uh, and so the FBI is kind of done. But meanwhile, Jean has her own theory which is one of those things where it's like, okay, she thinks Jim saw something he shouldn't have seen and somebody hurt him and threw him overboard. And we see through, I would say, the reenactments on the craptacular scale, I'd say low low on the craptacular scale. They're wordless and it's they're impressionistic, but they show you what could have happened to Jim. They depict him as having run afoul of a, a straight couple on the decks and like maybe there was a fight or the man was hurting a woman. I mean, it's all speculative at this point because nobody fucking knows what happened to Jim. Right, Spoiler alert, nobody gone. knows what happened to Jim. Um, a bartender comes forward to say that Jim was in the bar very drunk and he tried to pay cash for a drink. So he was the only person waving cash around Yes, I know, in the bar. Right? Which you can't do. You can't pay for a drink with cash on a ship. You were supposed to use the sale card that they provide you. Uh, which is a charge card and your room key. Jim becomes very angry and allegedly says to the bartender, "There are bad people around, and I might be one of them." Jean, his mother, says her son would never say this. He doesn't talk like that. But she requests a copy of the sale card because what it will also have on there, as a room key, will be a register of if he went back to his cabin. Right. Which is like, did the fucking FBI not ask for this? Like, oh my god. Don't know. She gets the record with a phone call to the cruise line. The card shows he never returned to the cabin. Now we're being told that other passengers on the ship who have started asking after the man and the missing flyers that were posted everywhere are being told various versions of the story. Uh, He had broken up with someone. His fiance had left him or he never got on the ship or whatever. This was presented as evidence of some nefarious plot on behalf of the cruise line. I kind of think this is just a bunch of people didn't know what the fuck they were talking about. There were 3,000 passengers on this show. Oh,
1: I think this is how the cruise ship manages. Nobody dies at Disneyland. You know what I mean? (laughs) This is the cruise ship manages um, their own PR. When you put a private entity in charge of policing themselves, this is how it comes. The bullshit starts with... He broke up with his fiance and killed himself. Like, that's pretty elaborate. (laughs) Yes, you're right.
0: Yeah. Like, that's,
1: wow. Like, I don't know. Never heard of him. Never got on the ship. Yeah. I don't know. Like, that's okay. But, like, to have an actual scenario that people are getting, that sounds like PR bullshit.
0: Okay. So, but this is the one that really throws a wrinkle in everything. A woman... Uh, comes forward. I think she speaks to the FBI when they're on the ship and she says she was in her cabin when her phone rang and a man on the other end of the call was screaming for help. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And Eric and I aren't just podcasters. And bitches. That's right. We're also authors. And you can buy all of our books at www.thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv and wherever ebooks are sold. Jim has been missing now for days. A woman has come forward claiming the day after, around the time he went missing, she was in her cabin... The phone rang, and the phones on cruise ships operate um, m- much like hotels. Like I would, like you can call the mainland for a fee, but mostly I they really, work room I to room. I wanted
1: to know what the dial in for her room was. Like what? Yes. Was she in room nine thousand one hundred right. and ten? Right. Exactly. And somebody dialed
0: nine one one, and it rang her room. Right. Because she hears a man yelling for help. Help me! I can't get out of here. I can't get out of here. Um, Then she hears a crash and a scuffle, and the line goes dead. And this is Monday morning at 11 a.m., July 5th. And I think he went, you know, I think it's the day after or maybe two days after. The FBI investigates right.
1: where the We co- picked this because it was a July the 4th mystery. That's right, and, and we forgot. And this it. is airing on the Sunday before <laughs> July the 4th for the first time, so happy 4th of July. Happy um,
0: Independence Day. Happy
1: Independence Day, but yeah, so like this, yeah, the, the crime apparently happened on the 4th of on July. On the 4th of July, so—
0: you know, That was the last time they saw him. The FBI investigates where the call came from and finds no sign of, of a struggle. Okay, I don't, I, we're not given any details about what that means. We're not even told if it came from another cabin. Like, but the FBI doesn't inform Jim's family about any of this. So the woman wants to get in touch with the family directly once she gets home, and she has to go through the corporate office. And when she says to the corporate office, "I was on the ship where this man went missing," they say, "Oh, that never happened. That didn't happen on your ship. We have and no record." There of that. we are again. Yeah.
1: That's this. This is the ongoing. The cruise ship sanitizes the
0: yeah. the story. So she sees Jean, Jim's mother, on television and contacts her directly. Jean complains to the FBI. They agree to give her the report, the complete report of their investigation on the condition that they're closing the case. Like, we'll give you this, but we're not doing anything further. We're, we're done. So um, – that's when Jean kind of hits the end of the road, but she starts to do her research and she discovers that there are other people who go missing from cruise ships uh, all the time, and other families in the same situation as her. Uh, the coda on the story is basically that the you know the chairman of the International Cruise Victims Association, I guess, works for Jean because Jean and her husband co-founded they that organization. They basically founded it.
1: So yeah, Ken Wheezy works for um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or at least worked with what you call it, yeah. and it seemed like that was more or less what this show was about. How that organization got founded, because right. they really never got any answers.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a moment years later when the authorities did call Gene, asking for DNA samples because a body had been discovered, and they said, "If you never It'd hear from up. us again," right? A body had washed up, and they thought. They said, if you don't hear from us again, it means it wasn't your son. And she never heard from them again, so she assumed as much. Um, As a result of the work of the International Cruise Victims Association, the U.S. is the only country that has the right to investigate crimes against their citizens on cruise ships. Progress. This was a weird one. They're supposedly, as a result of the organization, required by law to install a laser system that would detect a body going overboard But ships, as of the airing of this show, haven't installed them. Yeah. And that was the
1: thing that we were talking about earlier. That's where they brought up the point about how much they had spent searching for him. Because the ship just kept going. If when somebody fell over the side, there was an alarm, the ship could stop or they could at least take note of Mm -hmm. where the alarm went off. They would have some sense of where to actually search. Because they said it's really kind of hopeless. Once you're overboard, like... If they don't know where you went overboard, they can't just search the entire Caribbean
0: for you. Here's here's what came to me while I was watching this show. I would be willing to have a tracking device installed in me after the amount of true crime shows I have watched where people just go missing in vast areas, Like, you don't realize how big the world is until you, get it. you read a lot of true crime stories because you see how until easy... Until you have to walk. Until you have to walk, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, I walk to the gym and it's like, Christ. No, but it's like... It was the Malaysia Airline flight, uh, the missing Malaysia Airlines. at like three seventy, I think it was. Oh my God! They're never going to find this plane. That ocean is enormous. But if all those people had tracking devices, <laughs> I know it's weird and it's a privacy issue, and you could consent to have it done. But I would be willing to do it if I was missing and you couldn't find me. And I don't—they
1: all have cell phones.
0: Dri- no cell phone, cell phone towers, and they, there's not enough coverage. I want a satellite tracking device. Right here in my shoulder, you know, maybe just under the skin. No, I don't want it to be easily removed because I don't want, you know, like my captors to remove it. I just, it's just, I'm just putting it out there. Let's get back to your thoughts about Jim's frequent bathroom visits the night he disappeared.
1: Well, I just thought that was the only real anomaly in the story. A, the first thing that was really struck me was that this is really an odd trip. Like, he goes with this guy and this guy's family— Although, to be fair, the guy's roommate came along, yeah. and but the guy's roommate brought his girlfriend. So the two of them are bunking together, and they're friends, and he's there for his friend's family's anniversary. And it was like, okay, maybe they are just a lot of fun. But mm. I thought, what is the relationship between Jim and Jeff? That was a little... Murky to me. I don't think Jim had anything to do with his disappearance. Mm-hmm. Or but Jeff
0: didn't have anything. Jeff to didn't do, have right. anything
1: to do with Jim's James disappearance. But it could have been that Jim got discouraged or something. Or but the he went away and then he was gone for a really long time. Right. And then he came back and said he was lost going to the bathroom. Like yeah. that doesn't seem like. That's a really odd detail. Mm -hmm. That is a really fishy part of the story. I think, honestly, what happened was he got into it with somebody, they knocked him down, he hit his head, and it killed him, and so they just threw him overboard rather than take... I mean, I really don't think there is some great huge plot Mm -hmm. afoot, but there was something going on in that dynamic Mm -hmm. that caused Jim to look elsewhere for something. Maybe seeing Jeff with those girls convinced him that he didn't have a chance with him, and so he got drunk and whatever, mm. or maybe he was hitting on some girl. Try, he was trying to buy some girl a drink when he was running his mouth, and she was with somebody else right. who was jealous, and so the guy, whoever it was, punched him and, and hit his head, and he, he died from it, and they threw him overboard. And
0: Do you believe the bartender's account that he tried to wave money around and get that drink and said that weird thing. There could be bad people around, or do you believe his mother that he would well, never say that? The
1: drinks were on the cards. Okay. The drinks were on the sale card, so yeah. that did happen. Like the the way in which it unfolded, that seems weird enough. Yeah. And it's not PR advantage to the um to the the cruise ship to tell that story, right? So that seems less like PR bullshit. Mm-hmm. So maybe it happened, you know, or some version of that happened. I don't think it's significant. Mm-hmm. I think the only thing that it pointed out was that the sale card proved that he didn't ever go back to his cabin. But right. And it did mean that he had cash on him, so maybe somebody knocked him down to take the cash that he had. But it wouldn't have been much, and they are on a cruise ship, so that doesn't seem like a very good crime of opportunity. Mm-hmm. Because... They're on a cruise ship together, like robbing people on a cruise ship. You need to, I don't know, steal their diamonds and smuggle them ashore somehow. You don't need to knock somebody down and take their wallet. That's.
0: I think if you are a thief on a cruise ship, as you just pointed out, you're going to pick a cruise with a lot of shore stops. So that you can get stuff off and right. get it to your contact in Barbados or wherever, you know? Like- and
1: you're not going to be doing somebody – you're not going to be pickpocketing because you want to do something that might go unnoticed for a bit. Right. And knocking somebody down and taking their wallet is not going to be a thing that doesn't get reported right away. I, so right. So I just – all none of those things really suggest to me. I just think there was something happening that night. I think it was just one night.
0: Okay, I think you're probably right because when I saw that about the multiple bathroom trips yeah, in the and, narration and yeah.
1: the woman getting the phone call on the fifth of July, yeah. I'm not sure if the phone call had anything to do with it. Oh, you don't think you don't think the phone call had anything? It was to do just it. some guy on the phone who may have, if her room was uh, room nine thousand one hundred and ten, and somebody dialed nine one one because they were stuck in a room and couldn't get out mm. on a cruise ship, like maybe, and then somebody came along and let him out later. Like, I just there was no conclusive. There was no real follow through on that. And, like, while it's suspicious, it just seems like he was in some way, like, I, you know. There was a fight, or some somebody pushed him down, and he was he was killed.
0: What about the knocking on the cabin doors account? Do you believe that? That was the one where I was like, "Yeah, if you knocked on the wrong door and gotten a fight with somebody, and they just had had enough of you?"
1: It's another version of the same story, and they punch knock you down, and right. You hit your head, and you're dead, and then over the side you go because who wants to deal with, yeah, you know, having killed somebody if you don't have to, mm-hmm. like. in an accidental situation, I don't think there was any, I don't think anybody was planning to murder Jim. I think he, in some way, you know, through some misadventure, got himself killed, Mm -hmm. and then the body was easily disposed of. The other thing is, maybe he was just drunk and fell over the side. That was the
0: thing I was thinking. Which
1: I think probably accounts for 99% of people who go missing on cruise ships. Yeah. Like, it's, that's, you know, we know that's where he wound up. Right. How he got there is the only thing that's a matter of, que- you know, of question. And I, I, It just I, was a strange set of circumstances. And I just felt like he got some reward. He right. went and did something that time that he was gone for a long time and then lied and said he got lost coming mm-hmm. back from the the bathroom, which was like, okay, that's really, yeah. well, it's a big ship, but the bathroom's not going to be that you far away. You think it was a drug deal? A drug deal or a casual kind
0: of party drug some deal, some kind like
1: of hookup or some kind of private yeah. party that he went to, and mm-hmm. you know, got a drink or a bump or whatever. I don't yeah. know, but he went. He went somewhere mm-hmm. that that presented itself to him, and I think he went to return there, and whatever happened, right, was what he was was where the misadventure. It, it, and it could have been, you know, he tripped and hit his head on a coffee table. It could literally be as simple as that. And the people involved were doing a bunch of cocaine, and they didn't want to have to explain why somebody was dead or be searched, so they I threw his body overboard. I have
0: a question of me of of the you and of this story. Were there no security cameras on the screw ship? Well, that's how they knew he was knocking on people's doors. Oh, was that how I thought it was a? It, there was a, a eyewitness statement that he no, was they knocking saw on people's him doors. on security oh. cameras. Well, then how did the cameras lose him? Where did he go? Isn't the old ship
1: assume yeah. that they don't? Yeah. you know that they weren't. Their coverage wasn't a hundred percent, or wasn't great, or whatever. But or maybe those were only interior cameras, and that's weird. I have no idea how cruise ships really work. The I only time either. I ever went on, I was so horrified by how tacky the thing was that I kind of never have wanted
0: to go back. And I, this was a carnival cruise ship, and that was what you went on for that wedding. It was a carnival cruise ship. So a, Yeah, like, a friend yeah.
1: got married on a cruise ship in the harbor, and then the wedding party went for a, a cruise to Ensenada or somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had a book signing. I had book release coming up for... Yeah. One Of my,
0: I don't know, you're a big fucking deal, you know. One of, of my stuff. Pamela
1: yeah. Anderson yeah. books, um, and I, um, foolishly or wisely decided to do that rather than, um, than going on the wisely. cruise, but I want, but the cruise ship was just horrifying. I yeah. was like, oh my god, this is yeah. like a really bad Vegas
0: hotel that
1: floats really I'm,
0: bad, really bad. Um, that said, how did you feel? Okay, I have. I, I want the families of victims to always have a voice, but I think when they're, it, when you need a critical analysis of the facts of the case and the behavior of either the victim or the perpetrator, you need uh, character witnesses other than the family because the family is gonna have a natural bias for the most part, unless they're talking about just a full-on monster, right? And they, they survived his evil or her evil. Um, but I think one mother believing that this nefarious thing happened to her son was was not really enough to ground this story for me. And I think it was constructed that way because the purpose of this show, I think, as you pointed out, is to call attention to the fact that uh, the cruise company's ways of dealing with these incidences are pretty fucked up.
1: Well, or at least this particular episode of the show because yeah. this was a show about the woman who founded this organization. Yeah. so to me, that was the in the end, that was the most important fact, right was that, oh, this is the woman who founded this organization, which sounds like there's a need for it. Because yeah. I don't know that it's necessarily malicious, but given the sort of loophole, floor full of cracks to fall through mm-hmm. position of internationally owned ships and international waters traveling to multiple countries, I would think that— investigating crimes, there would be a challenge because of all of those different jurisdictions and factors. And so I think it's an important part of To me, that's the important part of the story. I think Jim somehow wound up being either thrown or falling overboard
0: for whatever reason,
1: you know, like and he was either already dead or, you know that was the end of that.
0: I'm going to make it about me and I'm also going to make it about me and it's going to be a story about drinking. So you're supposed to drink when I make it about me but you can drink double if you're listening. I went on a cruise around this time I think it was 95, 94, 95 and I was not of drinking age but I was given, I was slipped some drinks by my traveling companions and during the day, (laughs) during the day, meh. at night, it was like they actually started to add alcohol. But during the day, the drinks were weak as shit. (laughs) It's like, and I'm from New Orleans. I knew. And I thought, interesting. So they were actually making an attempt to regulate how much alcohol was circulating through the population without closing down the bars. But if this issue, I imagine alcohol sales are big business for a cruise. If this issue starts to come under a magnifying glass because drunk people are routinely... Doing fatally stupid things on their ships that could really cut into their bottom line. That's I what I saw.
1: I think people regularly fatally do shit on they do. cruise ships all the time. I think yeah. that's. I think that is part of the. This, but I think if you were to take the same, you know, pick another group. Let's say, um, big party luxury hotels.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like I wonder how a comparison of those. The crimes that are committed there and the people who get up to stupid shit and get themselves killed at hotels compares to people on cruise ships. I bet it's probably not a particularly big jump.
0: Yeah. That's not the point I'm making, though. The point I'm making is how they have the ability to prevent a granular investigation of these incidences where a hotel does not. If the police want to come into your hotel, they're coming. And a hotel is subject to local liquor laws. Whereas a cruise ship is not like I remember gambling at age 13 on a cruise ship because they were like, we're in international waters. Nobody can see <laughs> like and I think the lawlessness of these environments is like, OK, I think that's maybe something worth paying attention. Yeah. to Yeah. I mean,
1: I think it's part of the appeal. I think it's the re- I think it was the point of this episode. I don't I haven't seen any other episodes right. from the show, so I don't know if that's going to be a recurring theme. I would be willing to bet that. Probably 80% of them are going to be, and then they never saw him again because the ocean just becomes this, Yeah, you know, the great garbage disposal and the, you know, like yeah. the, somebody falls over and goodbye. That's the end of that. So totally. I think that's going to be probably a more recurring theme. I don't know. I'll have to try another episode of the series. It was, I have to say, it was not a very exciting watch because there was n- almost nothing to the investigation. Right. But that may have been because they were setting up and then she founded this Absolutely. victim's rights organization, right. which seems like there's could be a case for. And I don't know, like, I'm not sure from your story, what the advantage to the cruise ship would
0: be for
1: the drinks to be stronger at night
0: than they were during the day. I think it's about cutting down on the cumulative alcohol intake. If, if, cause people are drinking all the time. Like there's no, they're on. If particularly if it's a day at sea, so if you're starting them with strong drinks at nine in the morning, and it's an it's as just as heavy a pour. By the time you get to the nighttime, they're just going to be vomiting everywhere. You you've got to hold back without closing the bar down.
1: I just can't imagine they're not already vomiting everywhere. Oh, they are. are
0: So we have something exciting happening on our next episode. It's something we haven't done before yet for Christopher and Eric. We are going to be out in the world recording a live episode in front of a a live audience. A a
1: remote recording. Yes, of remote remote recording. We are... um, we're going to be at an event called Book Bonanza. Book Bonanza. Dun tada, dun Does that every time. I love that. And every I time. We won't do the whole song, but we that's, talk about that's a theme Bonanza. song from the television show yes. Bonanza, um, which I. Sort of liked, but the theme song I was crazy about. Yeah, okay. But anyway, we will be there um, next week. Yeah, Christopher. <laughs> Focus. Let's shut up, shut promo up. promo shut up. Eric. Wrap yeah. this up. Yeah, lunch is coming. Oh um, yeah,
0: I think it's here actually.
1: Anyway, so um, we're going to we're going to be appearing there and doing uh, a, a a special
0: podcast that yes. we're going
1: to record there with. Uh, authors Lexi Blake. Lexi
0: Blake and Zio Axelrod will be joining us, and we're going to be talking about our Anne Rice. We're going to be uh, doing a tribute to my late mother, Anne Rice, and uh, those are both those authors were impacted by her work and are also friends of ours, and uh, so it should be emotional, but also our usual fare. And it hope, is our plan, yes,
1: for that to be next
0: week's episode. Yeah,
1: but. We're going to be out of town, and it's going to be live, right. and we have to record it there, and there's a lot of uh, moving parts, and the situation <laughs> is, is very, very fluid. fluid. Um, so we'll see. But that's the plan. It'll either be that or... or
0: an, a true crime TV club covering an episode of 2020 entitled Overboard. So wait in suspense. Or... Or... An episode about UFOs. So
1: you never an, can tell what it might be but we're really thinking that it's our plan to have it be um, the live recording from Book Bonanza where we will be appearing and signing books and so if you're planning to go to Book Bonanza I don't think you can now but But it's sold out but if you're already planning to go to Book Bonanza like find us we'll be there yes
0: Um, Book Bonanza is Colleen Hoover if you don't know who Colleen Hoover is it means you haven't been in a bookstore in five years because I think every other book is now written by uh, Colleen Hoover because she's a huge success. Um, she started this. It's a nonprofit that benefits the Bookworm Box, which is a literacy organization. Uh, they also have a bookstore that is a uh, nonprofit, and it um, it is a wonderful organization. And uh, this is, I think, only their second year of doing it. I think their first year was, was before the pandemic, but in Denver. Oh. This is at the Gaylord Hotel in Dallas, but again, it is sold out. Uh, you can, If you live in the area or you want to travel to the area, maybe their website you can look about and see if there's anything with a wait list or people trying to get rid of their tickets, scalping and whatnot, all the stuff you usually associate with books.
1: Right, right, because there'll be people clamoring to try and break into the building to get us to sign their books. uh, Well, maybe not us, but some of the other people there...
0: (laughs) Yeah, probably Colleen. Not us. Probably Colleen. <laughs> yes, us. Maybe it'd be nice. Absolutely, but uh, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, until then, and forever right. after, whatever episode airs <laughs> next, we don't really know. I'm Christopher Rice, and I'm Eric Quinn. And you're listening to TDPS presents Christopher and Eric. Thanks. This is TDPS.